Hello and welcome to the first, the very first horror comics podcast, Halloween special. And I am so excited to do this. I love Halloween and I love the month of October. There's just like, even in Louisiana, even here in the South, there is just like a change in the entire vibe. You know, it's, there's just, it's a combination of the weather and I don't know, fall and like just Halloween season. When you go in the stores and you start seeing the Halloween stuff, it just changes my outlook almost like and maybe that's because I, I don't even I don't know you know I've been so tied to Halloween and horror and um I, but I feel like the like the, the sensation of Halloween and that feeling of like the October and fall isn't even necessarily like a Halloween thing it's just like a seasonal thing that's just so I think maybe for me and for a lot of people it's just so refreshing that it's just, we're out of summer. It's not quite winter. It's, it's the weather's going back and forth, but like I always associate it with Halloween. And I'm not even that like dead set on the costume aspect. Like I don't really, as much as I love Halloween, I love it so much. It's not even really like, I don't even really get that involved with the uh you know dressing up costume aspect my wife is the one that's always like no we're we have to do this we have to do this and i'm glad she does because otherwise i would just i'm I'm so lazy about that kind of stuff i was just like i'd rather just like soak it all in but thank god uh or you know whoever that she actually makes us like be like no we're straight up being just regular ass clowns not even scary clowns, because everyone's going to either be Joker or Harley Quinn or uh, It or whatever other scary clown. It's like, no, we're just being straight up just like circus clowns, which are still scary. They're still terrifying, you know? It's like that's it, – we went to this uh, – it was uh, actually a, a couple's wedding shower. Our uh, My sister-in-law, my wife's sister, and my best friend, it was their wedding shower, and it was a Halloween-themed shower which is awesome uh and we showed up straight up as just regular clowns and first of all people didn't recognize us which was the weird thing because we were like hey hello of course i'm like i'm going all in because if i'm going to actually do this and put forth the effort to wear the costume i'm going all in so if i'm being whatever character you know i'm not very extroverted but it's like if i'm going to do it i'm fucking doing it so i'm the clown you know so me and, you know, me and my wife, we're, we're, we're clowns. We're straight up circus clowns. And so, you know, I walk up to the party when people see us and I'm like, whoa, whoa, hello. And I've got like, you know, whatever, uh, you know, stupid tie or whatever on. And I'm just like, whoa, do the whole thing. And, but they don't know because we're wearing wigs and shit. So they don't know who we are. So no one get there like, uh, okay, who, who's this? And we show up with some of our friends who, you know, aren't part of like the family that threw the, you know, the shower. So they're extra confused because they're wearing costumes too. So it's like, who the, uh, we don't know. who. Anyway, once they realized who we were, I started to feel the brunt of like, 
okay, well, actually, now I'm stuck in this makeup for the rest of the night. And that means you're trying to actually have conversations with people um, because it's like, yeah, we're actually having a party here and there's like drinks and we're all hanging out and we're eating. What I, and like you just have to deal with the fact that people are slowly backing away as you're, you know, trying to converse with them. And they're just uncomfortably like scooting away from the conversation to leave. So that happens when you dress up like a clown. So again, uh, I commend my wife for going all out and, and making me get out of my comfort zone and do that. But at the same time, that's what happens when you dress up like a clown. It's never not scary. And every time I looked in the mirror, I was like, Jesus Christ. And I posted a picture on Twitter. Um, that was intentionally not flattering, but, um, you know, so, so that's, that's the way it goes. Um, so Halloween, here we are. I mean, I'm seriously so excited. And I asked folks to send in their real life, your real life, like, you know, whether it be ghost or supernatural, or you just don't know what it is experiences. And, you know, I didn't get a lot of responses uh, and that's totally fine, but the responses I got were incredible, like seriously incredible. And so, so thank you to everybody. Um, and I'll just say it right here from Trevor, uh, Markwart, who is an incredible artist, seriously tales from black circle, uh, among other things, go follow Trevor on Twitter. It's uh yeah, Trevor, Markwart, uh, M-A-R-K-W-A-R-T. The actual screen name is at Saucer underscore Kings. Like I said, incredible artist has done wonderful art for a bunch of books that you need to be reading. Seriously, Tales from the Black Circle is on Comixology. I think it's even like discounted now, but even not, you can still get the physical copy through the Indiegogo. Uh, So just look up Tales from Black Tales from the Black Circle, Indiegogo, or if you just Google Tales from the Black Circle, I think it comes up. Seriously, buy a physical copy for real. Uh, buy, do what I, I bought both. I bought a digital copy, uh, and I did the Indiegogo. I bought the, uh, uh, sorry, I bought the digital copy and I bought a physical one from the Indiegogo because these are the people that you need to support. Seriously. Like Trevor, and I've, I've mentioned a hundred times Trevor, and I've mentioned, uh, Anthony Cleveland, uh, seriously, go pick up, go get their books. They have Silver Skin uh, from Anthony Cleveland. Uh, Mad Cave Studios is putting out Show's End, which is he's he's promoting the fifth issue. But I know for a fact that, and I just want to be accurate because I picked up. They sent me the preview copy for the first issue, which was amazing. So I bought that one and the second one on Comixology. So I just want to see what's available now. So yeah, there's there's three issues you can buy on Comixology now of Show's End. Get it, seriously. I'm literally buying it right now because I didn't realize the third one came out. Um, because I'm bad at staying with the times when it comes to things. But uh, it's a fantastic series. Um, and again, Trevor Mark would have his... I mean, if you, if you want that, like, still unique, still a very unique style to Trevor, but like, so inspired by the classic horror, co- like the EC comics, the stuff that like, it's, 
like inspired this podcast, the stuff that we talk about, like the old school horror comics, like that is like, that's what that is. Like, if you want to see that art in modern day, you want to see Trevor Markworth's art, like seriously. So go check that out. Um, and no, this is not a paid ad. These are people that are, uh, independent and working their asses off. Uh, Trevor and Anthony, they're working their asses off and putting out just top quality content that needs to be seen, that needs to be purchased. It needs to be shared. If you buy it, seriously, just share a link to it. Just talk about it on social media or something. Tell some friends or whatever you have to do. Spread the word because like, like it's not like it's not bullshit you know i'm not a mess i'm not like bullshitting and being like oh well you know it's just they're nice dudes so we'll help them out like legit just like i was talking about lucas that book lucas that came out that i was super late on they were trying to um the uh crowdfunding for it was i think it was also indiegogo but it was for uh the sequel to lucas it was lucas chapter two um, so in retrospect, Lucas chapter one, which is amazing. And you can go get it on comiXology. And, uh, he was kind enough to send the preview copy as well. Um, he, and I, I bought it on comiXology. He had mentioned that it was possibly, uh, I think maybe not formatted correctly for comiXology, but after reading the copy he sent me, I did go back to comiXology to read it again. And it seems like it's fine, at least, um, on the app on my phone and on my computer as well. So I, it might depend on what you're using, but, uh, regardless, seriously, go get Lucas. But they, they were doing the, uh, crowdfunding for Lucas chapter two and fucking beyond me. I mean, I say that beyond me. It's, it's hard. I, it's hard to get people. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to get people, but seriously, in retrospect now after uh, the Lucas chapter two crowdfunding uh, unfortunately was not successful, but I'm going to make it a goal of mine to push that book along with the other folks that I've mentioned, Trevor and Anthony. Like I want to push these folks because they're delivering just high quality content that deserves to be seen and read and purchased, you know? Um, so go pick up tales from the dark circle Show's End and Lucas. Um, you're not going to regret it. Seriously, if you're a fan of this show, you're not going to regret it. They're, they're not, none of them, They're none of them are the same. They're all completely their own unique thing, and that's what I love about it. Um, the, uh, the, the deal with uh, Lucas is um, there's a lot of good press for the first book that did come out. There's actually, I think like, there's a video game, like legit coming out for that first book. And like, after reading it, I'm like, I can't even imagine like what they're going to do with that. Like, that's amazing and so cool. Um, I can't wait to see that. I'll, I'll be the first in line to buy that. I, I'm not even a video gamer. I, I like video games, but I've been more of a person that like watches my friends play the video games. Um, but I'll be first in line to, to pick up the, uh, Lucas game. And again, I'm just, I'm spreading the word because I want that Lucas chapter two. I was happy to back that uh, Indiegogo. So hopefully we can spread the word and uh, in the future get another maybe crowdfunding thing going. Or maybe uh, some publisher will be smart enough to realize that uh, this is brilliant writing and brilliant art. 
and, you know, front it and put it out, publish it. Uh, but regardless, uh, awareness for Lucas. So check that out. Again, Show's End as well by Anthony Cleveland and then Trevor Marquette, Tales from the Black Circle. Uh, and, uh, yeah, amazing. So, and if you're like, okay, enough about these guys, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Seriously, these are guys that have supported me from the beginning of this podcast, and I'm gonna, I'm pushing it back on them. Uh, this is a completely like my own personal choice to have, uh, basically ad space to give to them to say, hey, check them out. They deserve it. Um, they're pouring their heart and souls into it. So that being said, um, going back to the stories that we did get that we, me, I, I don't know. I got, uh, from inquiring, you know, about, uh, what were your personal stories? Uh, I want to know what's real, you know, um, real to you. I want to know what experiences you've had. I think for Halloween, that's more appropriate. And that's what excites me. That's what I'm interested in. That's my, you know, legit love of horror. Now I've got, um, there are a few things in my life that have happened that, uh, some are very like remarkably mind blowing for me at least. And you know, it, it's like you repeat your story. It means a lot more to you when you've experienced it, uh, than it might sound when you're repeating it. But, uh, I've had, a few things happened that were pretty crazy. And then a few things happened that are like, okay, well, you know, obviously this could be explained to be whatever, you know, it just, you can explain it away pretty easily, but, um, I'm not going to lead off with that. I actually, I wanted for listeners to tell me the stories for a change, you know, and God, I got it. You know, I got those stories and, it was awesome. Like it was awesome getting the stories and reading them. And, um, you know, I put it out there that like you could, you could record the story yourself. You know, you could record the audio and send it to me. And, uh, again, going back to Trevor, he like went above and beyond with like the recording of the story. And he sent me, he sent me the written story. Um, and then was like, Hey, you know, I, uh, I thought about what you said about, you know, recording the story. And so I kind of went through and, and, and recorded it myself. And like, you know, he even suggested like the sort of, uh, the background sort of ambience and stuff. So I'm like, dude, this is fucking awesome because it's like, it's like the radio play kind of thing, except it's like a true story. This is your actual story. It's not a comic book. It's a real thing. But we can do it like a radio play, which is even more fucking awesome because it's fucking real, you know? And so, uh, he sent it over and I think the production turned out awesome. I literally just mixed it together, messed with some levels and uh, it turned out awesome. So I want to lead off with that because, um, I think he did a, a great job telling the story. Uh, it's, it, I, you know what? I'll save my, um, commentary. For the end, I'll, I'll insert it here. Let's listen to Trevor's story, and it is The Little Chair. The Little Chair by Trevor Markward. Years ago, I was working in Toronto, having had my screenwriting career put on hold as I waited for a project to go to camera and for me to get a big check. <laughs> and, and I had an experience that convinced me completely of the supernatural. 
I was working as a security guard in downtown Toronto to make my rent, working weekends at night. It was bad enough that there was what could only be described as like a downtown madhouse near the two towers, you know, the two towers tightly side by side, I was responsible for. And I had to occasionally fend off howling lunatics trying to get in the locked doors, but that's another tale. Now, this was a lot more frightening than that. There were two office towers, so close that there was a little space between them, only a strange blocked-off zone that oddly went down one level below street level. There was no access to that area, and it was essentially a dead zone. There was nothing in that space, some like 15 feet between buildings, perhaps 30 feet side to side. Uh, A large blasting light hit up the space, an industrial bulb dangling from above. As far as the roof goes, none was visible, just a strange black abyss. And there was only one thing in that space, a little chair, a child's chair. I knew it existed through my regular patrols of the building. I keys to every single door in the two partially joined buildings, except to, to the door to that space. There's a bank and a doctor's offices and everything I had keys for except for that one door. But one night it was open and I looked in and saw that strange little chair sitting in the middle of the odd space. I had nothing else to do but lock and close the door. It wasn't until a month later that it would be open again. It's important to explain the entire building was under video surveillance. Cameras everywhere, all of which could be monitored at the front security council. The whole basement where this door was completely covered. Nobody could get in and out without being seen and captured on digital. Down in that basement were doors to a bank vault, after all. It was very secure. Nobody could get in and out without the security guard, me, knowing it or being able to replay and check. So it was on a night one month later that I was doing a patrol and saw something simple and strange and it haunts me to this day. Around 3 a.m. after a pointless patrol of 20-some stories of two towers, I reached the basement. As I stepped out of the elevator, I was blasted by a rush of air. There was the howling of a wind in the maze of corridors in the basement. I hesitated, was confused, but then moved forward to the source of the gale. Rounding a corner, I came across the corridor where the disturbance was coming from. A door was open, that little door, and a brilliant light was emanating from the portal, the door to that strange small space between the two buildings. I almost turned on my heel and left. The howling was wind was so bizarre and unearthly, I didn't want to see what was going on in there. I knew about the strange forgotten abyss, that forbidden zone. Who had opened the door? It was locked in my first patrol. I almost walked away again, but was compelled to see. The wind got stronger as I advanced, blowing my hair back. I called out and demanded, Who's there? The only reply was the moaning wind. I reached the door and peered in. The space was lit with a brilliant light, that industrial bulb, and increased like a hundredfold in intensity. The edge of the the space still faded into like shadow depths and they were unfathomable. I couldn't see what was 
uh, beyond the shadows. But there in the middle of the space was a little chair. Not on the ground. It was hanging, dangling by a rough rope that was tied around one of the spindles on its back. It was swaying in the wind, as if it was hung for some sin, or a little chair hanging by a rope in the abyss. I stepped back, terrified, and somehow I had the presence of mind to lock the door and wrestle it shut, fighting the strong gale, and I could barely close it. I ran through the corridors and finally reached the elevator and made my way up to the security council. Once I was there, it took a while for my heartbeat to slow down. But when I checked the video playback, I saw that nobody had entered the basement. Only a door that opened all by itself and the blast of light and the wind that blew out. And then me and my frightening encounter. Sometimes I, I think that those those moments of um, the things that aren't like the 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 creatures or the shadow people or, or whatever you know that you hear a lot about uh, when it comes to supernatural experiences and stuff. And I'm not discounting any of that by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, I think that sometimes the simpler things. Like Trevor said in his story, like something so simple as a little chair floating, like like along with the rest of the ambiance and the and the everything going on around it, like sometimes that's the most mind boggling, kind of haunting things that you can experience, or just the little things, you know, when it's when you don't see what's there but you feel it, or when you see it, like this experience. And it's it's not a frightening uh, uh, creature or, or you know what I mean a, like a sight. It, it is literally a chair, but it, you know it's something completely opposed to what we understand as far as far as like the uh, laws of physics and uh, the way that things should be. And uh, I I love that. I love those kinds of stories. I love all kinds of stories, obviously. But there's something to really, really appreciate um, about a story like this. So, again, thank you, Trevor, for recording that, sending it in. And, uh, hey, Ed, great job. Great job on the uh, – I don't want to say performance because I know it's your, your real story. But great job recording that, for real. That was awesome. Um I not even just for the special, but I would encourage if if you guys have anything like that you want to share, I'll be happy to 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 put it on the show and you know give you credit, obviously, um, and you know link to your Twitter or whatever. Because if you know if you want to meet more people that have experiences like you have, or if you just want to share your story and you want to be anonymous or your share your name or whatever, I would love to do that. You can send that to horrorcomicspodcast at gmail dot com or find me at horror comics pod on Twitter and send me a, a direct message with that information. But yeah, Trevor, that's awesome. Um, uh, I mean, I hate to say awesome. That's <laughs> creepy as hell, but, uh, it's a, that's a great story and, uh, well told my friend. Um, again, it's the simple things like that, that are <laughs> like, what, what, like there, that experience like leaves so much like, you know, I, I want to know more. I want to like, like a part of me wanted you to 
like be like, so I went back and I dug up under the concrete and I found a book or, or, you know, whatever. Like, but like at the same time, it's kind of like those things are better left, not fucked with. Uh, and I, that makes it such a great standalone, you know, it's a story, but also experience, you know, um, I guess I'll, I'll share, uh, as well. And then we'll go to another story. Um, this doesn't really have to do with me, uh, directly. It's actually my grandfather, my mom's dad, who was, um, he was an Air Force pilot. He was a brilliant carpenter, engineer, um, could build anything, houses. Uh, he had a huge farm out in a rural area, obviously, um, near where I live. And, uh, he, you know, he would always, it's funny because the thing that I associate him with the most is what I'm about to tell you. But the, the second thing is that every time I went to his, their house, I always, I always wanted to watch their, VHS copy of It's a Wonderful Life, which I know is obviously not a horror movie, but, um, it's just one of those weird things. It's like, I didn't really even necessarily understand the full scope of the movie, but that's what I would always do. And they always had giant, like, tubs of, it was clear, like, nondescript on what the brand is, um, uh, plastic tubs of ice cream. And, you know, obviously I live in the South. I live in North Louisiana. And, uh, every time when I was a kid, I would, you know, be like, yeah, obviously I want some ice cream and get it. And my grandpa, who was a short, very, very skinny, you know, man who wore khaki pants and work boots and your typical like farmer's shirt, but with like the tan sort of flannel, uh, I don't know what you call that plaid. I don't know flannel design, but the thin like farmer version of that shirt. Uh, and he had the he was bald except for the horseshoe, and he had these big thick glasses on. And you you wouldn't look at this guy and think like, oh, he's been an Air Force pilot and he's built stuff. And the dude literally fell from like a five story building that they were building, and like survived and was totally fine minus a couple of broken bones. Uh, <laughs> fell point blank. I think he landed on his back and that's not even what broke. So it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, so the ice cream thing, he would always be like, that's going to make you fat. And that's not exactly what he sounded like, but something along those lines. Uh, but he, he would joke around a little, but it would be stuff like that, like little stingers. But like, he would always tell stories like he was friends with, um, I cannot remember his name now. He was friends with, oh my God, it's going to drive me nuts. Okay. It's a musician who played guitar for Elvis Presley for a little while. And he's from here, from my town, from Shreveport. Um, and he was friends with him and he had, at some point had given him this old guitar and, like he was showing it to me and it was literally out in like a barn, like just sitting and <laughs> covered in dust next to like a fucking tractor and some four wheelers and a bunch of farm equipment. Just, just dust. Literally the guitar itself had like 
um, not a wasp, like a dirt dauber's uh, nest. And actually, I, no, it did have a wasp nest. It was like one of those uh, uh, hollow body electric guitars. So it's if it for anybody that's not familiar, it's it's like the width slash thickness of like an acoustic guitar. Um, but it has the sort of, uh, S or they call them F holes, but it's like a S sort of shaped holes on either side. And the inside of the guitar is actually hollow. There was a wasp's nest built in there. Uh, and it was just, you know, it's crazy. Like he didn't see his, and like, it's going to drive me nuts. We literally have a museum that that guy opened here. Um, and yeah, God, I'm an idiot. Uh, James Burton was his name. Um, he, and he's played for all kinds of people. He was friends with Keith Richards. Well, that's not the point. My grandpa knew him. Um, and I say friends, I, I don't know, I don't know how <laughs> good of friends they were, but enough to wear whatever. Um, but anyway, I guess I'm just trying to build up what kind of person my grandpa was. He, he was not like a prankster and he would tell stories about James Burton and he would tell stories about, you know, different things like that. And he, um, you know, again, like the whole like falling from the roof or from the, you know, the, not the high rise, but the five stories or whatever, straight to the ground. Um, and, and things like that. And he had plenty of stories like that. And the one that I always loved, um, was when he was in the Air Force and they were doing a routine. And uh, the terminology, I'm sure, is all going to be wrong, um, but uh, so forgive me. But they were doing a routine, like sort of flight formation, with him uh, flying one plane and another pilot flying another. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a, a technical word for um, whatever kind of thing they were going on, but uh, anyway, they were doing their flight and. Uh, they, I say they, I'm just going to say he, because he saw a legitimate, not necessarily like a flying saucer, but this aircraft that he was like, it was round, but not like a saucer. Like, I guess the way he described it would be a little bit more like along the lines of like kind of a tic tac, but that's even putting a, you know, then you just imagine a tic tac. And even it didn't seem like that was necessarily the case, but that's just kind of what I gathered. Um, but it zipped around his plane a couple of times, like like quickly, very fast, like just like like it sat in like it, alongside them. It whipped around him a couple of times and then went along the other side of the other plane in his formation and whipped around that one. And of course, they're talking to each other and they're like, what is going on? Like, what the hell is this? And, you know, after it zipped around each one of them, it literally went out in front of them and then just, boom, disappeared. And they, he told this story because I had relayed this story to a, a good friend of mine who um, was, uh, or might still be, but it was an aspiring filmmaker and he wanted to make your short films and whatnot. And I told him the story. I was like, this would be cool to like include in this one story that you told me, because basically the story that my friend had written was very similar to what my, you know, my grandfather had written. And I was like, dude, that's crazy that this is what you want to write because this is something that you could actually use and like go talk to my grandpa and get some perspective. And so he 
did. He went and my grandfather told him the story the way he always told it. Now, when I was a kid, my he would tell this story because I would always want him to tell it because I'm like UFOs and I'm thinking aliens and whatnot and whatever. Uh, and he never said that. You know, he never said UFO and he never said aliens. But of course, we're kind of trained to like think that. Uh, but like my mom and everybody always thought it was just a just a great chuckle. But he was never laughing. He never laughed. He never gave a smirk. And he, it was just kind of always like, well, that was the story. That's what happened. And, um, and we actually videotaped. I'll see if I can find that. We actually videotaped, um, with his permission, obviously, the interview when we actually went out to his farmhouse, um, because they were actually going to let us shoot this short film on his land. And my grandpa actually, part of the story involves some people digging a hole. My grandpa actually got like a backhoe or excavator or something and like dug this hole, uh, for us to use anyway, really cool. But he was really into it because we were using his story and not in like a joking way, but we videotaped him telling the story to my buddy and of course my buddy is fascinated you know he's 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 like me it's like uh maybe more so <laughs> he's like all in on his stuff um and it was just it was i hadn't heard him tell that story as an adult and so when he did and i can really you know hear the story and watch his face and his uh, i guess demeanor and expressions and whatnot while telling the story like it it wasn't a made up story it was almost actually even kind of like well all right i guess i'll tell it again um but i don't believe that he had ever told that story at least not in a long time and had people be like wow like that is amazing that is an incredible story and uh so he did and we were both just in awe and it was just cool you know I know that's not like a creepy story. I mean, in the sense of like, what the hell was that? You know, and I know that's a big thing that's coming around on, uh, it's more so in the news. It's being more mainstream about sightings and stuff like that, which is awesome. Um, whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, this was probably 2005, 2006, maybe. Anyway, uh, yeah. So it was cool to get that on, on video. And, you know, really have the story told, uh, in a way when you don't have a bunch of uh, fucking rednecks laughing about it, thinking, oh, you're nuts, grandpa. I'm gonna go get me some moonshine and shoot some fucking deer. Uh, you know, it's just having people that are genuinely, genuinely interested that isn't a child, you know? Uh, so that was cool. And, uh, I, you know, I believe it. I get aliens don't know, whatever. UFO, yeah, it was unidentified. They didn't know what it was, but it was moving with basically out what seemed like any kind of propulsion or like eh, exhaust and sound. And that is what is so, this is, this is unknown. Like I, as much as I'm interested in that, I do find that actually pretty creepy. Um, it, it's a little bit haunting, you know, like what do you do when you see that? Now, he's only ever briefly talked about the other pilot and that basically the other pilot refused to talk about it. Uh, not ba- didn't deny that it happened, but just would not talk about it. Um, 
and basically that's kind of the, what he said was that like, you know, when we landed and I was talking in my, and they're on their, whatever you're going to call the radio, how they communicate. Um, and it was more of like, what's going on, what's happening. But when they landed and stopped, that's basically all he said about the other pilot was just that, like, once we got down there, I was like, what, what was going on? And he was like, uh, no, uh, uh-uh. basically like he was just, I'm not saying anything cause I don't want to get blacklisted and I don't want to get taken away and I don't want to be shut, you know, uh, which, you know, probably was smart. And, uh, you know, my grandpa didn't go on some kind of campaign or anything to like out it or whatever. I think he kind of followed suit after that when it came to anything official, obviously, but he would talk to us about it, you know? Um, because yeah, of course, if you see that, you got to tell somebody, whether it's your buddies at the bar or your family or whatever. Um, so anyway, that's one thing, uh, I do want to talk about some more, but I don't want to bog it down with my stories. I do want to go on to more, uh, stories that were submitted, um, but, uh, I do have a couple other things that are a little bit creepier, uh, and the more of less, again, moving away from the aliens, but I figured I'd get that one out of the way. Cause that's more of, again, just, a, it was a cool thing for me and like a family thing. And like my grandpa who has passed away now for several years. Um, and, uh, just a neat story directly connected to me. That's not extravagant or over the top, but I will touch on some stories of my own, uh, experiences that, uh, will be coming up later. And so, uh, I'll move on to another story that's been submitted here. And that was by Otto, uh, Gr- Grunwald. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Um, the handle is at Cape World Comics, uh, writer of The Power of Stardust, a webcomic featuring public domain superheroes from the golden age. And there is a website, uh, linked there. So go to, uh, at Cape World Comics on Twitter. Go follow Otto and follow the link and check out the web comics. Um, this one is cool because it is in my neck of the woods. This is uh, in Baton Rouge, which is uh, just a few hours south of uh, where I'm from. Back in middle school, I went on a school trip to Baton Rouge and got to spend the night on the USS Kid, one of three Fletcher class ships converted into memorials. You can sleep overnight inside it, and let me tell you, it's spooky in there. You can hear the metal rock and groan on the waves. There's red light all around. You sleep on the same beds dead soldiers once slept. One guy woke up in the middle of the night saying he heard some kind of explosion, and the kid was known to drop depth charges on enemy submarines. A bump in the night or an echo of a battle from long ago? You decide. Now, I have to commend you for spending the night on <laughs> uh, this, uh, this this USS kit because absolutely not. First of all, any kind of submarine movie or TV show where it's just exclusively like red and green light, I'm out. Done. Claustrophobic uh, to a T. It just times a million. Uh, I can't do it. Um, it. I don't even like watching those. So... The fact that you tried to spend the night in one, that is nuts. Um, you know, if, if you're talking things that are haunted, I mean, I would imagine warships and, and things that, uh, are still operational from, you know, however long ago. And I don't know how long they keep them in service or if they just continue to update them until they can't be done anymore. I don't know. But, um, 
regardless, I can imagine if it's an old vessel, uh, especially if they've just preserved it to be a, a tourist attraction, you know, and it used to be a, a real thing. That is, um, yeah, I can imagine that would be creepy and probably harbor some uh, negative and a lot of fear. You know what I mean? Like if, if soldiers on there, there's probably a lot of fear and anxiety, um, uncertainty that can manifest itself there in, in many ways. And again, tapping into that, if you're hearing sounds of war and whatnot, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, in that realm of thinking, you know, that's, that's crazy. And, uh, thank you Otto for uh, submitting that. That's really cool. Um, I didn't, I, didn't know about that, uh, the USS kid or anything like that. I'm sure I've seen it going to Baton Rouge, um, to find myself a witch. But anyway, um, I'm sure I'm, I probably passed it. You know, if it's on the water there, you, you know, a lot of things like that. But so the USS kid, uh, again, Fletcher class destroyer was the first ship of the United States Navy to be named after Rear Admiral Isaac C. Kidd, who died on the bridge of his flagship USS Arizona during the 1941 Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Admiral Kidd was the first U.S. flag officer to die during World War World War II and the first American admiral to ever be killed in action. It's nuts. Uh, National Historic Landmark, she is now a museum ship, uh, birthed on the Mississippi River in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and is the only surviving U.S. destroyer still in her World War II configuration. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I can imagine. If you're... You, God, I would never have the fucking... God, the guts to... Spend the night on that, especially with like strangers. I'm like, who's real and who's a fucking ghost? Man, that's nuts. But yeah, there's a whole Wikipedia page on that uh, ship there. But that's crazy. Thanks again, Otto. I appreciate it. Go check out the page and follow those web comics. So, uh, sleep paralysis is it's a very strange happening. You know, uh, it could very easily be written off as a dream you know or a nightmare or some kind of uh, in between being awake and asleep which that kind of sort of is what it is uh as far as you know the person who's experiencing it um but it's still a weird deal there's a weird thing um and i know i'm not going into detail obviously yet but that's what i want to talk about next um, as far as my experience uh, with anything uh, dark or creepy, uh, scary, whatever, supernatural, maybe, I don't know. But so sleep paralysis, if you go to Wikipedia, and I'm sure there are more prestigious, uh, you know what, just for the fucking hell of it, I'll just look up sleep paralysis and see what else comes up. My gosh, people's questions. How long does sleep paralysis last? What causes sleep paralysis? Okay, so far, logical questions. Can you die from sleep paralysis? Why is sleep paralysis so scary? Uh, I feel like if you experienced it, you know why. What is the name of the demon that sits on your chest? Spoilers. Uh, how does sleep paralysis feel? What is sexom, sexomnia? Om, omnia? Uh, whatever. I don't know. Uh, when should you see a doctor for sleep paralysis? What is sleep paralysis demon? <laughs> what is sleep paralysis demon? Say we all, uh, oh, you know what? For 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 posterity, okay. Let's I'll pull up WebMD's page. Uh, actually, they have a couple. Holy shit! Oh my god, their website is fucking awful. Fuck this, God. 
You can't even back out of it because it's just fucking all these ads trying to load at the same time and the page just won't stop shifting. Fuck you. Awful. Awful. Bleeding Cool does that. If you've ever been to that website, that's what happens. You can't even read their fucking articles. So it's like, what's the point? Because the whole page just doesn't stop shifting. It's like, what's the point of this? All right. I found a read only version. So. Is sleep paralysis a symptom of a serious problem? Sleep researchers conclude that in most cases, sleep paralysis is simply a sign that your body is not moving smoothly through the stages of sleep. Rarely is sleep paralysis linked to deep underlying psychiatric problems. Over the century, sleep, uh, symptoms of sleep paralysis have been described in many ways and often attributed to an evil, quote-unquote, presence. Uh, unseen night demons in ancient times. No, not in ancient times, my friend. The old hag in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet and alien abductors. Almost every culture throughout history has had stories of shadowy evil creatures that terrify helpless humans at night people have long sought explanations for this mysterious sleep time paralysis and the accompanying feelings of terror what is sleep paralysis sleep paralysis is a feeling of being conscious but unable to move uh it occurs when a person passes between stages of wakefulness and sleep uh, during these transitions you may be unable to move or speak for a few seconds up to a few minutes some people may also feel pressure or a sense of choking. Sleep paralysis may accompany other sleep disorders such as narcolepsy. Narcolepsy is an overpowering need to sleep caused by a problem with the brain's ability to regulate sleep. When does sleep paralysis usually occur? Uh, it occurs at one or two times. If it occurs while you are falling asleep, it's called uh, hypnagogic. Gogic, God, fuck, I don't give a fuck. What? Hypnagogic. Or, uh, pre-dormital. Oh, even their read-only website is moving back and forth as if it is a fucking, uh, moving, uh, gif or gif or I don't give a fuck. Uh, pre-dormital sleep paralysis. Okay. If it happens as you're waking up, it's called, uh, hypnopompic or post-dormital sleep paralysis. As you fall asleep, your body slowly relaxes. Uh, usually you become less aware, so you do not notice the change. However, if you remain or become aware while falling asleep, you may notice that you cannot move or speak. Uh, what happens when the hypnopompic sleep paralysis uh, happens is uh, during sleep, your body alternates between REM and NREM sleep. One cycle of REM and NREM sleep. That's rapid eye movement and non-rapid eye movement. Sleep lasts about 90 minutes. Uh, in REM, sleep occurs first and takes up to 75% of your overall sleep time. During in REM sleep, your body relaxes and restores itself. At the end of the in REM, your sleep shifts to REM. Your eyes move quickly and dreams occur, but the rest of your body remains very relaxed. Your muscles are turned off during REM sleep. If you become aware before your REM cycle has finished, you may notice that you cannot move or speak. Okay. Um... That's just like the first page there. Uh, let's see if I can get a read only. Okay, so this is what WebMD says about the demon in the bedroom sleep paralysis. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to read this first because I want to know what kind of coming from this mindset of uh, someone who's basically trying to explain why it's not a demon or why it's not a weird thing or not a, you know, malevolent uh, supernatural thing. Um. First of all, it does the thing that I don't like. Uh, it literally starts with, the woman was in her late 50s. What woman? That's the beginning of the article. I don't know who the woman is. Who is she? She's just the woman. 
Every night she would fall asleep and then, I mean, can we maybe get some context? She would fall asleep and then dream that she was, dream that she was unable to move, but that her husband was coming into her room and trying to attack her. Helpless, she could neither move nor cry out. This went on for several years, says Akleet Kushida, MD, PhD, and associate professor of psychiatry and behavioral science at Stanford University. It was very difficult. She was exhausted. It turns out that the woman had a sleep disorder called sleep paralysis. When a person is asleep but immobilized, uh, like many who have sleep paralysis, she was also having uh, hypnagogic hallucinations that she was being attacked. It's not a serious condition, Kushida says, but it can be very disturbing. Sleep paralysis causes... Uh, just why or how it happens isn't clear. Researchers believe sleep paralysis is caused by disturbed rapid eye movement cycle because it mostly happens as people are falling into or coming out of REM sleep. During that stage, their brains normally paralyze their muscles anyway. So they don't act out their dreams, but during sleep paralysis, the sleeper is awake or half awake and so is aware she cannot move. So studies show between 25% and 50% of Americans have had sleep paralysis at least once. Many people who have had it also have narcolepsy in which they fall asleep uncontrollably. Uh, sleep experts believe sleep paralysis might be partly genetic. Other causes include stress and disrupted sleep schedules. Think jet lag or pulling an all-nighter. Several studies have also found links between social anxiety and panic disorder and sleep paralysis. That's interesting. That's what I'm talking about. That demon in the bedroom is going to lead me down the right down the right uh, trail because I, I definitely have social anxiety um, depending on the situation, but most uh, large groups of people uh, takes a lot of alcohol to level me out. That sounds terrible. I say a lot of alcohol, not a lot, but you know, clearly an episode of sleep paralysis can be scary, which has led to some unorthodox, unorthodox theories. Uh, research shows that people in countries as diverse as China, East Africa, Mexico, Newfoundland, and the United States have long believed that paralysis is caused by demons, witches, or other supernatural creatures sitting on their chest and sometimes trying to have sex with them. Often experiences accompanied by noises like loud buzzing, sensations of being dragged out of bed or flying, difficulty breathing. In fact, some researchers believe sleep paralysis is what's really going on with the stories of alien abductions. So, <clears throat> what can you do about sleep paralysis? Sleep paralysis is frightening, but sleep specialist Hakliti, whatever, Kushida, MD, PhD, says people can take steps at home to stop the episode. Skip the nap. Nappers seem more prone to sleep paralysis than non-nappers, Kushida says, unless the nappers always sleep at the same time of each day. Get as much sleep as possible. There seems to be some evidence that people who are sleep-deprived enter REM very quickly, which means they're still awake as their body gets paralyzed. Don't sleep on your back. Might put a pin in that right there. Sleep experts sleeping on their back. Have found a correlation between sleeping on, uh, sorry, sleeping in a uh, supine position and being vulnerable to sleep paralysis. Anything else? You got anything to add to that? Because that is a one and a half sentences. Uh, seek care because sleep paralysis might be linked to other sleep disorders. Yada 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 yada. Anxiety, uh, mental health. Do do do. Okay, here's the thing. Um, all that being said, maybe having read that beforehand and then telling this story. Well, we'll shed some light on what's going on. Um, so when I was a kid, I, I and I'm just also just to say this, I feel like I've told this story among other ghost stories on this podcast 
but I could not find the episodes in which I told those stories. So what I think happened was I think I did record myself telling these stories, but when I went back to listen, and this is kind of like something that came back to me afterwards, like I knew it was on the show, but I don't think it was. Um, I think I recorded these stories with the intention of putting them in episodes. And then I was like, actually, I'm not happy with the way I told those or like one would be like on some drunken night. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I sound like a drunk guy. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to whatever. So I delete or, or I saved it on a hard drive or something. Didn't put it out there. Um, because like now it's like I'd rather have this sort of uh, precursor uh, information, sort of the way the medical community community maybe looks at it. Again, it's I don't know what WebMD is really all about or anything like that, but Wikipedia kind of says the same thing, you know. And they're not exactly super reliable because you can just go in and edit it, uh, and it'll stay there for in however long. But I first experienced a sleep paralysis, which at the time, that's kind of another key. At the time, I was a kid, and I had not heard of this. I had not seen any movies, TV shows. We didn't have the internet until, you know, way a few years after. And we were behind in my in our house. We didn't have the internet, uh, which, which for us was dial-up, until after people were having uh, much faster forms of internet which is not like we were, you know, a decade behind, but you know, we were several years, whatever. Um, whole point being, I wasn't able to access this information and, and see this until years later, but I was maybe 10, 11 years old. And me and my, a couple of my friends, we were into like Pokemon and we had like the trading cards, but it was more like just to like have the cards. Like I didn't know how to play Whatever game is there, I have no idea, still to this day, no idea how that works. I just liked the cards, you know, and I thought they were cool. And I watched the cartoon. I was a fan of that, whatever. And I'm, the reason I'm using that is because the, my first experience with sleep paralysis is so vivid in my mind because I woke up in my bed and my bedroom door was open uh, into like the hallway that sort of connected our living room, dining room, kitchen to the re- you know the bedrooms and whatnot, and the light from the kitchen was shining down the hallway, and I did not sleep with my door open. I uh, I just didn't do that. I didn't like that. Um, I always had to have the door closed, and so I woke up and I'm like, why is the door open and why is the kitchen light on? And it was more of like. Why can't I move? Um, laying on my back again, just to reference that. And I'm, you know, looking at the hallway, but I am hearing this kind of like this growling sound. And, um, dude, it's crazy. Now I'm thinking of something weird. That's crazy. I'm hearing this growling sound, like, um, and I start seeing this shadow running back and forth up and down the hallway. Uh, the shadows on the wall of the hallway, which has like a bathroom door in it. So it's going across and it's just running back and forth, left to right, up and down the hallway. And I'm hearing this growling and I'm like, what is that? We don't have, um, we don't have a cat. We, I think may, we might have had a dog at the time, but my family was not one 
that was particular to animals, even though I am. My dad, um, I blamed it on allergies, and maybe that was legit. Uh, I Probably so, but what, we just didn't, up until a certain point, we didn't have dogs until we just, for some reason, did. Uh, but we definitely didn't have inside animals, and definitely not animals that moved like this. I think the first dog we got that I remember was an old dog. It was my uncle's dog. It was a Cocker Spaniel that could barely even walk. But we, they were either going to have to put it down or get rid of it. And I was like, nope. We took her in. And she lived for many years after that. So, hey, there you go. Uh, adopt, folks. Anyway, <clears throat> sorry. Point is, we didn't have an inside animal. Uh, and, of course, I knew that, which is why that was terrifying to me, uh, that there's something moving very quickly back and forth down the hallway, and it's growling. And I can't see anything but a shadow. Uh, and then as the shadow kind of moves uh, from sort of the right-hand side of the hallway to the left and starts to shoot back, the shadow stops right in front of my door. Like, And again, I'm seeing it over the edge of my bed, so it's not like I'm seeing a full-size body shadow. This is like a short thing running back and forth that I'm kind of just seeing the top of. And the shadow stops right in front of my bedroom door which is of course open and it jumps up on the end of my bed and again i can't move and i can't make words happen and i feel I, i feel the weight of this thing jump on my bed okay and it hops and this sounds so dumb but the best way i can describe this is as like um i mean it it I prefaced this with Pokemon because it was kind of like a Pikachu-looking creature. Uh, not like exactly, but it was like this kind of roundish thing, but it had red eyes, and it was like very shadowed, though. There wasn't color or anything, and it had like a weird tail. And it was just growling, just like a... But it wasn't a constant, like the article said like a buzzing sound I was like okay i could see that but like this wasn't this was like a very much like a labored like breathing like growling almost angry sounding thing and it jumped up on the bed on my feet of course i'm sweating bullets at this point you know and i'm trying to get out of it and uh it literally runs up on my chest and it has red eyes uh and it's just growling it but it doesn't do anything and it's just on my chest and that is when I I grew up very religious, uh, Christian, uh, pseudo kind of United Pentecostal kind of. Uh, if you don't know what that is, look it up. Google's there for a reason or Yahoo, whatever. Whatever search engine you want, you want to use. I don't know. Fucking whatever. Bitcoin, is that a search engine or an actual coin? I don't know. Whatever. It's, uh, but it's on my, and again, it's it's not like it's just like you're seeing something on you. You are feeling the weight of this thing on you. You're feeling something as if like you have a big cat. Like I do now and I'm about to wrap this around. I have a, I have a, a pretty fat cat, a lazy ass like 10 year old cat that is just fat and fluffy and, and just gorgeous. I see it. She's sitting right there. She's sitting on the floor. She's looking at me like you better watch your goddamn mouth because I will claw the shit and pee all over, all over this bat cave what she's giving me that look like you're beautiful girl anyway um that's what it felt like if you have like a small animal that's kind of heavy you know but again i'm a young kid and i haven't had this experience and this is what's happening in this sleep paralysis and this 
whatever this creature that I always describe as Pikachu, but is I guess more like a big round cat with but with no features. It's just a black shadow figure with red eyes in the shape of something like that. And then it just runs back down off like across my legs, off the bed, into the hallway, takes a right, and the light shuts off and I'm able to move. Again, it's worth mentioning it's not there's not a I wake up moment where I open my eyes. It's the lights shut off and I can move now, which I think is important that people that want to explain sleep paralysis that have not experienced it. And I'm sure it's not everyone. I'm sure there are people that have experienced it that are able to explain it away the same way or different ways or whatever. There's not a waking up period. Generally, it is a all of a sudden I can move and my I realize and I know that my eyes haven't been shut this whole time. Um, and I was terrified, you know, I woke up from that and I was like reciting all these prayers and I was like turning on the lamp and I pull open the Bible and I'm like, you know, praying and going crazy. Like, what the hell was that? And I remember I literally called my friend who was the one that kind of got me into like the Pokemon cards and like the show and like different anime and like Dragon Ball Z and different whatever, like the get kids are into not like the not pretentious, but you know what I mean? Like the art house stuff that whatever. But the kid stuff, um, and I remember calling the next day and be like, dude, no, I, this happened. Like, I think that like, like Pokemon is the devil and stuff. And of course he laughed and that it is ridiculous. I mean, whatever, because that's just how my kid mind interpreted it. But I remember still very clearly what it looked like. Cause I, even I did, I described it to him as like, like it wasn't Pikachu, but like it kind of looked like it could be. And he even said like, so you had a dream that a cat jumped on your chest. I'm like, no. Like it was a red, it had red eyes and it, like I wasn't dreaming and whatnot. And so it, I did, of course, like end up being like, okay, finally, like it, cause that haunted me for a while. And I had just kind of, I guess from that accepted in my head that like, okay, well it had to be a dream. Like I don't, you know, I'm not being possessed or whatever. And then, and then we moved into, you know, all these years later, we moved into this house that we live in now and it might, maybe something will come back to me, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think I had any experiences with sleep paralysis. Well, fuck no, God, now that I'm thinking about it, it wasn't as intense as that, but I know there was actually one other time in that same house that I grew up in, um, but I was in a different room as my bedroom. And again, this was like a one of those things that could be a dream because it wasn't such an intense experience. It was like I remember waking up and it was like early in the morning to where it's like, is it, is it dark out? Is it, okay? It's getting kind of light, sort of, but it's still dark out. But enough to where you can see around the room with the light from the window. And I remember thinking that like I remember seeing my mom standing in again the open doorway. Um standing there but like in real time realizing wait that's not that's like my mom from before i was born because my mom used to have like super like short hair and like the totally like the 70s short hair with like whatever it, but like she's wearing like this like uh we have old like christmas videos which is why i'm like this could very well be a dream because we have a, old christmas videos where she was wearing like, a brown uh like uh night get uh, or like a rope rather like wrapped around her like 
whatever completely covered like however you wear robes i don't know i've never really worn a robe before but like you know um and like like standing in the doorway and like i remember thinking like wait that's wait no that's not that's my mom from forever ago what's going on and like it kind of dissipating and i don't remember waking up from it but it wasn't like a terrifying thing but i also couldn't move uh so again it's one of those things where that maybe falls in line with the the actual between sleep stages where you don't you have like a physical experience with anything it's just your dream is kind of sort of floating into reality of like seeing these home videos of your parents or who you know what i mean so um that's the only other thing i can think of right now and if i something else comes into mind but i really don't think i had any other experiences until we moved into this house because sleep paralysis came up um a few years ago and i had not heard about it until i saw that somewhere online and i was like wait wait what, sleep prep what, let me look into that of course of course it's that and it's like talking about something sitting on your chest and like whatnot and we uh, so we move into this house and um my wife and i bought the house and her sister is actually living was actually at the time lived for like a year lived in the upstairs uh, area because it's basically like an, a, just an apartment upstairs um, and so she lived there and she had some weird stuff happen with like some photographs that were like twisting not twisting but like the frames kept being like either dropped in their face or like turned around or whatever and it was always the same like couple of pictures which I believe were the, of the same person um Actually, you know what? I think it was actually of a dog, which is weird. Um, but anyway, I started having sleep paralysis again once we moved into this house, which when we bought this house, when we were like looking at this house, we walked in. It was just like warm and fuzzy, warm and fuzzy feelings. We were like, yes, like this house was built in like 1903. Or not, not, well, actually, no, not sorry, not 1903, 1930. Um, and it's got all this square footage it's been added on to and whatnot it's like it's a little bit one of those things where it's like this is a work like this there's work to be done but we're gonna make it our own you know and we've been doing that and we love this house um but like some weird stuff definitely started happening and i started to have sleep paralysis again and it it, it wasn't the thing where like the little creature like runs around and jumps on my chest it was sleep paralysis to where you know i'm 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 seeing things uh in the corners of the room at night it's dark and i'm seeing you know a figure of like what looks like a you know a person in the corner of the room or like there was uh one time where it, it felt like it was like laying on the ground beside my like on the ground beside me but on the on the floor obviously not on the bed but like yeah on the on the floor and like kind of moving around and um yeah, so like, but felt very, very like malevolent. Like, it did not feel like, like it's one of those things when you have sleep paralysis, you kind of like come, come into it or wake up to it. It's, it's not like you're like, oh, well, I just can't move and it's fine. No, it, you wake up scared and then you realize that you can't move. And then you start looking around the room because you're like, what the fuck is going on? And that's when you start seeing, you know, 
if you have sleep paralysis when you see things, that's when you st- you start seeing things around. Now, I'll say this: I haven't had anything sit on my chest again. I have felt things sit on the bed and feel the weight of it, and know and feel my body shifting towards the weight, like when something sits on the bed or like whatever uh, of it, but never on me again. Um, but we've had weird things like that happen. Uh, and I say we, because, um, my wife, while one of these episodes were happening with the sleep paralysis, she like heard me trying to speak and I guess it woke her up and she, again, this is why I'm like, I wasn't asleep because she literally like heard me. She like kind of looked, got up and looked over. She was facing the other way. She faced, she kind of looked, faced me like worried because I'm like grunting, groaning, grunting, trying to like make some kind of words happen. And she reaches over and she puts her hand on like my chest or on my shoulder. And it's just like rub my chest. She's like, Hey, Hey, like, wake, are you okay? Are you okay? Wake up. And I'm like, and then if I can finally snap out of it and she's like, Hey, are you okay? Like what's going on? So of course I finally had to like explain this to her, like what happens, uh, not, not in that moment, of course, the next day, you know, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Whatever. We go back to sleep. So the next day she's like, what, what was going on? I was like, what happened? Like what? So I have to explain this to her. Um, and she's, I think maybe she had heard of sleep paralysis. I don't know, but definitely had never experienced it. And, um, but it was nice to have her sort of understanding and to have her know that like, you know, that helps to like kind of interrupt what's ever going on. Well, the problem is then she started having it um, and it started happening to her uh, not very often, but when it would happen, it would be very like uh, aggressive, you know, like she would have it happen where she was waking up, unable to move and she was hearing like breathing which sure you could say like, okay, well, you know, it could have been me breathing in my sleep behind her, but she was like feeling breath on her, but she wasn't necessarily seeing anything. Um, and one of the craziest things that happened, uh, for us and kind of led to like us kind of making a stand and which sounds cheesy, I know, but like when you're experiencing these things, what are you going to, what, what the fuck do you do? You know, do you just say, oh, this is all bullshit. I know I'm experiencing, but it's not real. No, you have to do something. And a big part of that was like, she had a, um, experience with sleep paralysis. Again, she didn't have any of this until I had explained it to her, which I'm sure there's, there's some kind of observation to me to be made about that in general being like, well, she, it didn't happen until she knew about it. Okay. So it's like a psychological, you know, I don't know. I don't, that's the thing is that started this whole, business. I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. But, um, she woke up one night and couldn't move. She's laying on her back. She sleeps on her stomach all the time. That's how she sleeps, um, on her stomach or on her right side. Um, but the sleep paralysis nights, she's on her back. Um, and, she woke up and she couldn't move. She couldn't see anything. Um, but she could feel like fingers running down, like, like aggressively pushing down, um, on her face, like running down her face, then down her neck, then down her breasts and her stomach and down her legs. Like 
like clawing at her, but not like with sharp claws. It was just like fingers like running down and she was hearing like breathing and she's trying to make sound and whatnot. So that it was the opposite effect. I woke up from her like trying to get out of that. And I'm like, you know, you know, I'm like trying to like shake her. I would grab her shoulder and I'm like, Hey, like, you know, wake up. So she woke up and she told me, so of course I don't think we even slept the rest of that night, but um, that's kind of when we were like, it, it wasn't the kind of thing where it's like, and she had claw marks down her body. It wasn't that. It was, um, her whole body was red. Like her face and her like neck and her chest were, were red. Uh, but it, more so in the way that you get when you're flustered or very hot or very nervous or something like that. Um, so it wasn't over the top with like, you know, there's again, no claw marks or anything. But that's where we were like, okay, like, there's something happening here that I, you know, that's just because again, it wasn't like I had to wake her up. I just, you shake him out of it. And, um, yeah. So there was another, uh, situation that wasn't sleep paralysis related. So I'll save it, but it, it involves my son, uh, who is not three yet, uh, almost, but, uh, and some, I don't know, something going on in his room. I don't know. I might have told that one on here. I think I did tell that one on here, but I might mention it again, but that wasn't sleep paralysis related. And it was more of, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so that's again, sleep paralysis. I, I had uh, an awesome, other than my wife, I have not had a one on one, um, a Jordan from DC comic Squadcast. We've talked about sleep paralysis before. We had a Halloween special last year and he had experienced the, you know, kind of waking up and not being able to move, but the other aspects of it that, you know, like the, the terrifying things about it outside of not being able to move, he had not experienced that. Um, so we did get to talk about that, but I have not, other than my wife, talked to anyone who's experienced the fear and all that stuff until I talked to one of my friends, um, who I actually hadn't seen in a long time. He had moved away. He moved off to, uh, Los Angeles several years ago and he came back in town for the holidays uh last year ended up hanging out at the house for a long time it just ended up being me and him and i wish i would have recorded this conversation but i don't even know how we got on sleep paralysis but like he had experienced like legit like sleep paralysis like i had except one of the big tropes of sleep paralysis is it's a common thread the old hag like it's an old late, like old, like, you know, you picture an old witch or something like that from Tales from the Crypt or, or, or whatever. You see comics, your classic witch, like that's a, that's a, that's one. And that's one I haven't seen. Again, I've seen, I've had the figures in the corner that I'm like, they're watching me. I've had things like crawling around, have not experienced, fingers crossed, knock on wood, um, this old hag. That's a very common thread. And he didn't realize that this was, um, an ongoing thing either. It kind of just like, I, I, I think I had mentioned it and he kind of, it was a jaw dropping moment of him. Like you've had this too. And he had the old hag. He woke up, couldn't move. And there's this old, I mean, that's the only way to describe it as a hag. It's like an old decrepit witch lady in your face, sitting on your chest, on your stomach, whatever. And like, just in your face, like as if they're about to fucking devour you. He had that. And when he told me this story, 
I had fucking chill. I've got chills right now thinking about it. I just had chills because this was the first connection that I had had with someone who, in this, is as scary as my experiences were, and my wife as well, and awful. Like his story was for some reason just more terrifying, and it might have just been in the moment because it's like making this connection with this old friend, and it's like, wait a minute, like he's having this realization, and I'm like. Oh my God, you experienced the thing that's like the common thread that I actually haven't experienced. And he had come home, um, at some time prior. This wasn't like on this visit or anything like that, but, um, uh, semi recently, I guess before that, he had visited his, visited his mom and stayed at her house and this happened. And, uh, yeah, so we got to sort of connect over that and talk about it, which is the first time that's ever really happened. Uh, with anyone except for my wife, and it was an exhilarating, exhausting, uh, but enlightening conversation about sleep paralysis. And again, he didn't know much about it. He had just experienced this thing, and I told him about that. I was like, "There's, there's a lot of stuff on the internet." He's like, "Well, I've looked, st- you know, stuff on the, on the internet, but like, I guess he never got around somehow to sleep paralysis. It was a little bit, you know." somehow I just didn't get across it, but, um, it's a crazy thing. And it's something that I've experienced on a lot of occasions. Um, probably more that I'll remember, you know, later down the road and maybe I'll bring them up to, or if I remember them as I piece this episode together, um, I'll inject them. But yeah, that's probably the craziest experience that I have when it comes to something that feels evil or, or, is horrific and like out of my control, you know? Um, and, uh, I, if you've got stories of sleep paralysis, I would love to hear yours. Um, again, you can send them in, you can write them in, or you can record yourself talking about them, um, and send them my way. Cause again, I'd love to have them. I'd love to put them on the show if you want. If not, I don't have to do that. Just let me know. But, uh, just say it's okay to put on the show or leave it anonymous and don't give me your name. Um, or whatever, just let me know how you want it to be done. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to, you know, connect with more people on that because, uh, like I said, I experienced this a few times before I ever even heard of it. And once I did, it was just like this mind blowing thing. And then, you know, you meet an old friend after years of not seeing them who's experienced this. And now, you know, more about it than they do because they haven't really dug into it. They just experienced this terrifying thing and didn't know how to sort of cope with it. They kind of Googled it and didn't really come across what they were looking for until you talked about it. So um, it's wild, you know. Let me know what your thoughts on it are. Let me know if you've had these experiences. Um, Obviously, I'm more interested in (laughs) people who have experienced it. But at the same time, you know, it's interesting to hear the perspective of someone who hasn't uh, in other ways. So uh feel free to get in touch but uh i'm sorry i rambled for so long but i feel like that was a story that um i think listeners of this show might appreciate and be able to connect with and maybe connect with me on and and share what you've experienced you know and if i can connect with somebody that maybe hasn't been as familiar with this topic um as i've made myself uh be then you know that'd be great to share sort of that knowledge and talk about ways to kind of fight through it, you know, because um, I think there are, 
And I don't think that that WebMD <laughs> webpage uh, really had the right answers because I'm not a napper. Um, all right, before we move on to the next story, uh, we'll, we'll get to the part of the show where they uh, pay the bills, as they say. Now, uh, Nightmare Threads, new sponsor, they were kind enough to reach out and offer us a, you know, see if we want it to be a part. I say, we keep saying we as if like there's more than one person on this podcast to see if I wanted to be an affiliate. Um, which means I get a little bit of kickback from the sales that are any purchases made by clicking on the link that is currently in my show notes. Uh, if you go down there to the bottom, you'll see it nightmarethreads.com and then there's some weird symbols and then horror comics. But regardless, uh, you're not going to remember it if I say it because it's, it's, again, there's weird coding. Anyway, working on getting a coupon code so you can get a discount, but I wanted to go ahead and start promoting it because when I went and checked out the website, uh, I immediately bought this awesome Halloween 2 shirt. Um, I'm going to put a link directly to that shirt actually in my show notes directly under the link that you can use to, uh, you know, purchase things. And I'll get a little kickback. And if you click the link to that Halloween 2 shirt, hey, they'll know that you came from me too. And that helps out the show uh, tremendously. So go check it out. Um, they have all kinds of stuff. They have all kinds of, they literally have an A to Z for American Horror Story, Amityville Horror, Army of Darkness, Bates Motel, The Birds, Carrie, Child's Play, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Halloween, Jaws, uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, the Monsters, Penny Dreadful, Pet Cemetery, Poltergeist, Psycho. That's just a little bit of it. They've got all over the spectrum of sci-fi, horror. They've got different styles of t-shirts. They have got freaking phone cases. They've got, they have a little blog, like an article section where they've got, uh, links to like horror movie reviews and all kinds of, uh, original stuff. Uh, go check it out. I, I think you'll find something pretty quick. If you're, if you're a fan of wearing, the thing that you're a fan of, like I am, uh, I think you will. I'm really excited to uh, just jam this 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 Halloween two shirt. Uh, it's like a white t shirt with like the picture of Michael Myers standing in the doorway of the gas station, and it just says Halloween two on the bottom. And it's simple and it's perfect. And I, I love a good white t shirt um, with a design on it. I've got several for different bands that I like, whatnot. They even have some like the the quarter sleeve. Um, like baseball style t-shirts with some different designs on it and whatnot. So, th- and those are awesome. Uh, those are actually by other than just a, a, just a plain, simple white t-shirt. Those, that style is my second favorite. So I dig that. Go check it out again. Go to the links in my show notes, follow those. It helps out the show and I appreciate it. And I know you'll find something that you like there. So this next story comes from real life ghost stories, which is, a podcast that I love, I've been listening to now for almost the beginning. I think I heard a promo of their podcast on a different podcast, and by the time I'd gotten to them, I think they had done like two, three episodes maybe, but I've been hooked ever since. It's Emma and Dan are the hosts, and they're fantastic, um, and they have great, uh, they just have great conversations back and forth. They do like a quick review of a horror film, uh, good or bad. And then they tell some like real life ghost stories. Like, and then they've started doing a lot of like listener 
uh, submitted stories, which was a big part of honestly why I was like, you know, it might be cool to change it up for the Halloween episode for this show. Um, but I actually reached out to them to see if they had anything that they wanted to share. And, uh, very cool. They, they did send this story and I'll say this. I don't know who sent this story. So it's either Emma or Dan. Um, and reading through it, I might be able to, I don't know, gather, but I, they were very vague. They, they didn't want to let, you know, attach a name to it other than real life ghost stories. You can find out on any podcast platform that you use pretty much. Um, so I highly suggest going to listen to them. If you like listening to ghost stories and even if you don't, they'll probably make you like listening to them because again, the episodes aren't super long. They're like just right. I love long episodes of things. Like I listen to a podcast that runs about five hours every week, but uh, it's a different subject. But like for just your app, for your a solid length for podcast, uh, they they usually hit that mark um, and cover again a, a movie. And then uh, have some fun banter and uh, and tell some awesome stories. So um, go check them out. Love it. They're fantastic. Follow them. Give them some uh, some love with the reviews on iTunes and whatnot. But here is the story that they submitted. I had less than a normal job. I'm not going to do the accents, by the way. I, they... They have wonderful accents. I'm not even going to try to act like I know what the accents are from. They say on the show, uh, because down here in the south, we'd be like, "Oh my god, you are you kind of some kind of British folks, or what is going on here? What? Where are you from? And talking like that." So that being said, I'm just not even going to try. I'm just going to read it in the most uh, straight laced voice that I can. I had less than a normal job when I was in college, that's for sure. I worked in a care home for adults with intellectual disabilities. The words care home conjure images of sensory gardens, plush cushions, and framed pictures of scenic mountains, but this, unfortunately, was not the case. While I was there, the residents were given the best of care and have all since moved out of the wing of the building I worked in to lovely houses. The building was first opened as Mary Burrow, lunatic asylum in 1832 in these times little was known about mental health and how to treat it patients at this time were ill-treated by mostly well-meaning carers it was once said to me that you could feel the sadness seeping from the walls in the building and this was definitely true it just looked ominous it's funny though what you get used to and i got incredibly used to the daily routine and the building that the residents called home there are many stories about hauntings in the building Footsteps were said to be heard at nighttime in the upper or the empty upper floors. Uh, furniture was said to move around at night, and there was one point in the recent past a priest drafted in to bless the building. It seemed like the perfect place for ghosts galore, but I never had an experience apart from sudden feelings of dread or fear in certain parts of the building. Until my fourth question mark year working there, it was a bank holiday weekend and it was bitterly cold. I was having a cigarette on my break and was leaning against a wall outside with the three-story red brick building looming over me. It was for all the world like an outdoor corridor, and as I smoked, I looked up. My eyes locked with a woman who was standing in the middle third-floor window. 
It must have been for a maximum of two seconds, but I can remember feeling my stomach flip. She drifted, I kid you not, drifted away from the window, and I carried on smoking trying to digest what I had seen. There was a girl with me who suddenly, frantically, began looking for her keys to get back into the building in a panic. She had seen her too. My first and initial reaction was not to scream to the masses, I've seen a ghost, but rather I decided to get security and check the building to make sure no one was inside. There was no one inside. The building was code-locked, empty, and very much alarmed on account of the bank holiday. It was only on hearing this information that my brain fully registered that the woman I had seen was wearing a white shift dress, and her eyes were more like black shadows than formed features. About a year later, I was telling a nurse about what I had seen, and he informed me that he regularly, whilst working nights, would see a woman with black hair and a white dress out of the corner of his eye walking through the ward. He had managed to convince himself that it was merely a combination of tiredness and bad lighting. Difficult to know. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, so thank you to Real Life Ghost Stories. Thank you for sending that in. That is, um, again, it's so terrifying because you're so, it's like you're so close but so removed from the incident. You know what I mean? Like It's like you see this thing from afar, but it's it's a thing where you have to go get security to go get involved. It's not like it's happening right in front of you and like there's a ghost like flipping your table upside down. Like it's something going back to Trevor's story too, like with the little chair, like it's it's not like something is necessarily fucking with you, you know? It's like you are stumbling upon this other thing going on. And I think that's that, that goes back to the little chair. Um, that, that can be, uh, attributed to the, like the USS kid story as well from Otto and to this story, it's like whatever is going on in this closed off ward, it's like you, you're getting a glimpse of it, you know, of something else that's just, just I guess, constantly going, uh, still moving behind the scenes uh, that we just don't see something left behind, something holding on to whatever was i don't know you know it's like what is it is it energy is it uh spirit uh you know like that's what's so interesting and scary and and uh spine chilling is that it's just like you you don't know but like you're outside smoking a cigarette and you look up and you see somebody on you know in a window of a ward <laughs> that's not currently occupied like that's terrifying. Um, yeah, man. Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't, that's the thing is I don't feel like outside of the sleep paralysis thing. I, I don't know that I have that kind of ghost story of like seeing legit seeing a ghost. Like that's why this is so cool to hear. And again, thank you so much, uh, to Emma and Dan for submitting that story. Uh, <laughs> that's really cool. Um, I sorry, and I hate to say cool at your dread, but like it's such an interesting story, you know. It's like, and and then you have, of course, then the other tales, of, uh, the other like takes of like, well, yeah, I see something like this kind of running around, uh, you know, pretty often. So it's like, oh, so this is part of this building, you know, it's part of the history of this building that I just haven't been aware of until now. Um, 
So yeah, that's wild to me. That whole idea of a ghost and whatnot. Um, there, I mean, I've had, and I, again, just trying to like relate to these stories. Like I'm just I, like, again, like with the little chair, like I don't relating to that one. Um, at my old house where I grew up, the house that I grew up in, where I had the sleep paralysis, um, when I was a teenager, um, I believe my parents were, I believe my parents were out of town and I was in the house by myself. There was a period of time where my parents were, but my sister had moved up to Canada, uh, beautiful, wonderful Canada, uh, for anyone who might be listening from there. Uh, I'm fucking in love with Canada. Um, haven't been now in a long time, unfortunately, but God, the times I went, I just, I wanted to stay. And so did my sister, but you know, family, um, so there was a period of time where my where they were going up there to visit her for you know a week or two at a time or whatever, and I remember I was on the computer late one night, probably like I don't know AOL Instant Messenger, uh, chatting with that fucking who knows uh, fucking uh, skater emo girl, uh, you know ninety two or whatever I don't, I don't know. Uh, actually at the time it probably wouldn't have been 92. It would have shit probably would have been 88 or something, 89. Uh, but regardless, I was on the computer and our computer desk was in like off this little nook off of the dining room, um, which was a pretty much just open to the kitchen slash living room and the hallway that led down by the bedrooms. Uh, and like I said, my family was pretty, uh, religious Christian, and there is a painting um, of I, I. I'm not actually still sure to this day what it's supposed to be, but it's like a long, long table with a bunch of chairs and like glasses and plates it's like a formal dining thing it's long and there's like clouds in the background it looks like a photograph but it's actually a painting by someone and it's supposed to be like you know i don't know guess dining in heaven or something like that i i don't i i don't remember i'm not saying that to like degrade it. i just don't remember what the point of it was it had like a little golden plaque thing on the bottom of the frame there's like a wooden frame with this painting inside of it and it was like had a quote and again i don't remember what the quote was it was like something about eternal life and whatnot probably a scripture but i just remember being uh sitting at the computer with my back facing to all of that and like hearing this crash and turning around and that photo that that picture i say that photo it was a really big frame like wooden framed painting like i don't know probably three feet tall <laughs> I, I, I don't know it was a big thing and it had somehow flown off the wall and over into the kitchen like it wasn't like it just fell like the nail gave out or something that, that would be one thing the nail gave out and it just like fell and hit the floor and fell over but it actually had it had to have been, I mean, this sounds crazy. I know, but whatever project projected off the wall because it was way, way over into the kitchen. 
across from where it sat. Like it was like as if it had been projected and then like slid across the floor, you know, uh, which it would have fallen on carpet, which like, so the hallway portion was carpet. It's, it's hard to describe, but the carpet came out and sort of curved off to where the wall of the living room went, but everything else had been tile, uh, slash whatever, final laminate, whatever flooring that reached wrapped around to the kitchen so like the picture would have had it fallen straight down or even just fallen face forward would have landed on carpet but it actually it landed on the hard floor of the kitchen and kind of slid so that was this kind of and the scary part for me was that like i was like what the fuck is going on so i turn around of course no one else is home and like it's this like religious photo or painting or whatever that has now been fucked with and of course I'm like on edge all night from that. And it's just weird, you know, like what, what I feel like when you experience something like that with like certain different religions, it's like, well, how do I justify this story? Because it's like, if something's messing with that, is that to say like that that is the real religion or is it just like any spirituality whatsoever can conjure whatever? I don't know, but it was weird. That was very strange. Um, but it was terrifying, and it never happened again, ever. I hung the picture right back up on the nail that it, quote-unquote, fell from, and um, it never came down again until we moved, as far as I know, unless it happened to someone else in my family and no one said anything like I did. And like, I don't, I didn't tell anybody about it. Like, if I would have told my parents about that, it would have been, like, revival in the land, like, just straight up, like, big tent, like, tongue-talking, southern I don't know like it would have just been nuts like you know and I obviously didn't want that uh, but it just would have been like constant prayer meeting in the house you know more so than it kind of already was but uh, yeah so that was weird uh, it was actually again a quick like kind of fucking with you kind of thing um, because at the time I was you know I was on board with like you know whatever we were doing for the most part I think Um I'm not just, again, I'm not discounting anyone's faith or beliefs and I'm not even saying I don't believe in any of that. I'm just saying like, I was very into like the church thing, um, at the time. And like, I was like, Oh, well the demons are fucking with me, but I wasn't say fucking. I was like, you know, the demons are coming after me. So I better read this scripture. So it was just a little bit different, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I actually had a couple more people inquire about, you know, are you still taking stories uh, for the episode? But I am actually right now wrapping up um, past when I said the deadline was going to be on Twitter. Um, and I'm, re- I'm you know, re- refreshing the email and the Twitter. Uh, there's a couple of people I was waiting on stories from, but I haven't heard from you. So, um, you know, just saying. Sorry, y'all. Uh I waited literally until last minute. It's literally right now. Like I could do a countdown here shortly to midnight to Halloween. In fact, I might fucking do that. I might do it. But yeah, I didn't get those stories. So, uh, yeah. Um, I have actually, I was digging through my voice memos earlier for, um, uh, actually an old song that I was, messing around with and i found this story that i'm going to play next but i'm going to do a countdown now five four 
three, two, one. of Sam Haynes, all the Haynes. Hell yeah. All right. I've never done that before. It's my first time. Um, yeah. Fuck yeah. It's Halloween. I fucking love Halloween. Okay. So again, sorry. Uh, for the people that were, that had reached out to me saying that like, all right, I'm getting my story together and I'm going to send it to you. Um, you know, still send it to me and I'm happy to include it on the show and I'm happy to, uh, you know, still talk about it, even though it's not the Halloween special, uh, you know, send it my way. But uh, unfortunately I'm about to close out the Halloween special with a story that I found in my voice memos on my phone from Christmas Eve of last year, which right now being 2018, literally late night, like crossing past midnight, uh, December, into December 24th, 2018. And this was something that I had completely forgotten about. And this actually, I re-listening to this actually reminded me of a couple of different things. Uh, that have happened in this house and in this, I, I, I'm not editing this voice memo down to remove anything. I'm, um, I'm just going to leave it as is. Uh, it just, it touches again on the, my sister-in-law who used to live up here, uh, having some weird things go on. And again, I even talk about some things that again, I had forgotten just slipped my mind that were part of the experience that happened with her. Um, but yeah, uh, this, reminded me <laughs> again i had forgotten that this had happened it's just i don't know how how do these how do things like this slip your mind like if i guess if you're so ingrained in this type of material and activity and stuff and you read so much about it uh and including fiction you know it's like does it just get lost by the wayside but i also forget lots of things that should just be you know standard practice for any normal human brain um and then i remember a whole crazy stupid amount of things that are completely useless so um i'm gonna close it out right now with a voice memo again from december 24th at about one in the morning i think if i remember correctly um in 2018 so yeah uh there's a few Stories that, again, I'm saving for either the next Halloween special or, you know, just a different episode. But, uh, yeah, there have been experiences. And even within this voice memo, I was listening to it. And I was like, no, you've already forgotten one of the big things. And I still haven't gone into detail. I talked about it earlier with the stuff with my son. Um, but I'm 98% positive that... This experience that you're about to hear uh, happened after those. So it just goes to show that my uh, 
it's not even really my memory. It's more of just like my time, my sense of time, like my timeline. Like this voice memo has a date attached to it. If it didn't and I just heard this memo, I'd be like, I don't know when this was from. Could have been four years ago. But uh, it was actually less than a year ago. So, um, yeah. So it's just crazy how my my mind uh, separates itself from certain aspects of remembering uh, the way that time goes. So I hope you enjoy uh, this voice memo that I recorded literally right after this thing happened. Um, and th- that this is going to be the outro. So after this, I'm out of here. It's done. Happy Halloween. Thank you all so much, seriously, for listening. It means the fucking world to me. And I can't, I cannot say that enough that you, you all listen to this show and my, God, my, my ramblings, uh, <laughs> and the fact that it's horror comics podcast and there ain't a comic talked about on this episode. And I hope that's okay. It's a Halloween special. And I, I, I prefaced it with, I wanted to hear from you. Um, and I did, and there's some awesome stories and I know that the ones I didn't get yet, um, I'm looking forward to those and I was happy to be able to share some of my experiences, you know, um, and it'd be cool to make this an annual thing. So, uh, be thinking about it or it could be a week. I don't, you know, I don't care. Send me your stories. I I don't care. It didn't have to be a first Halloween special. Just send me your shit for real. Uh, there's a link in my, uh, show notes or in my, uh, podcast description where you can leave a voicemail a a voice message like just record a voice message if something weird happens record it and send it my way and i'll I'll put it on the goddamn show i'll put it seriously uh anyway i'm stretching so again i just want to say thank you uh get in touch again horror comics podcast at gmail.com on twitter at horror comics pod i'm happy to, to uh to talk to you let me know what horror comics you're buying tell me your stories your original content send it to me i'll talk about it on the show i'll promote your horror comics um and i'll tell your actual real life stories obviously um happy to do that love to hear it and love to engage so um i'll stop rambling and i will just send us out with this voice memo of a story from myself that again i had forgotten and it was uh interesting to come back on this kind of forgotten uh experience so hope you enjoy you all take care and have a happy happy and very safe halloween but you gotta keep it fucking spooky so stay spooky all right it's 1 37 a.m and pardon the sound It is, I guess, technically Christmas Eve now, uh, the 24th, 2018, but we went to my parents' house on the 23rd, around 5.30, had a great time. I drank a glass of wine and a bunch of water so that Ansley could drink plenty of wine uh, to, you know, just relax and hang out with the family and, you know. Roscoe was in a um, in a mood, in and out, but we came home kind of late for what we expected. You know, we got home around 9.30, 9.45, put Roscoe down for bed. We got in bed and turned on the TV. We're going to watch um, a Netflix documentary called The Innocent Man, and we watched actually an episode and a half, and then I realized Ansley was asleep. 
so um, I was exhausted um, tonight, and I kind of had gotten a second wind, maybe just watching that documentary kind of got me excited or like super interested or whatever. And I, I don't know, just had a second wind. So I turned off the lights, got out of bed, went and grabbed a beer, decided I should have another drink for the night other than just a glass of wine. And I came upstairs and I'm listening to a podcast and I'm arranging uh, my comic books because I'm a, you know, a comic book nerd and whatever. Uh, judge me. Uh, hashtag blessed. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's going to be dated by the time anyone hears this, but um, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm, you know, arranging books and trying to clean up the studio slash Batcave. And I hear, you know, our our studio slash Batcave backs up right to the guest room. And I hear a, what sounds like a muffled, like female voice. So I mute the podcast. Um, cause it, it, you know, it kind of sounded like it was coming from, you know, as if someone was in the guest room talking. And so I, I, you know, I paused the podcast cause I'm like, you know, my first thought is Ansley woke up and surely she's not, you know, at 11, 30, 12 at night getting a call from a client. The guest room serves as her office, her real estate, like work from home office. Uh, so I'm like, there's no way she took a call from a client, like waking up and, you know, anyway. Um, so again, pause the podcast and I keep hearing it's muffled. I can't make out it you know, what it is. And then I'm like, you know, I'm thinking that that's not Ansley. I know that that's not Ansley, but it's brief, like weird inter, what's the right word? It's not interjected. It's like brief, like, it's going to be horrible impersonation, but it's like, but it sounded more female. Um, if that makes any sense, um, and so I kind of go into d- defense mode because I'm like able to say that, okay, that's not Ansley. It's not her pattern of speech. It's not her, you know, Ansley has a very, her voice projects. It's loud and uh, I love it. It's not a negative thing. I'm just saying um, her voice projects. And so I keep a knife um, upstairs in my drawer in the desks that I podcast on uh, for opening you know, boxes or if I can need to cut the plastic off of a graphic novel or something, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just kind of in defense mode, so I grab that. And I slowly open the studio door, which um, I've got weird, like, weather uh, plastic taping to keep the air in for like for the winter if I'm heating the room the air won't flow out because it's super old house and the doors don't quite you know match up it's not like they seal off so and then in the summer you know it keeps the cold air in um so I open that and it kind of like creaks and I'm trying to go slowly 
but I, I'm hearing the talking as I'm opening the door. And when the, when the door gets the loudest, the talking stops. The way the doors line up is that is as you walk out of the studio, the bat cave, my nerd fucking room, whatever, your the door to the guest room is right there. Like you're at it. Like it's to your right walking out of the door. Um so like you're basically your ear is to the door when you walk out. And I don't hear this talking stopped again and I don't hear a female muffled voice. I hear a male sounding muffled voice. And I, I don't know, I'm not a violent person, I'm not a confrontational person, but any stretch of the imagination, I avoid it at all costs. I, um, you know, I don't know, I get pretty nervous, I get pretty anxious, but for whatever reason, when I heard that male-sounding muffled voice, couldn't make out the words, it, it almost seemed like if, like, you were trying to hide uh, with another person and like you heard a creak and you're like wait hold on wait someone's coming alright alright be quiet something something along those lines I'm not saying word for word because again it was muffled couldn't make out any word whatsoever so I went into straight up like attack mode and I had this knife and I ripped that door open and I switched on the light and the room is completely empty and this room, now it does have a door that goes out to um, like a f- semi like flat roof balcony that is actually the, goes over the master bedroom. And, you know, there's no like rails, it's not covered. And so my, the reason I'm saying that is because the first thing I thought was I went to the door to see if the door was unlocked because we've had friends go out there they go out there to smoke cigarettes or smoke weed or whatever uh, or just to hang out because it's it actually is kind of a cool little spot um, albeit kind of dangerous for people who are inebriated because there's no rails but so I, I go check the door see if it's unlocked it's not it's locked and I you know it's one of those doors it's again an old house so you really have to shut it to get it to lock into place otherwise you can just kind of pull the door and it'll open. Well, that's what I did. Pull the door. It doesn't open. It's locked. It's shut properly. And I just, when I turned around from checking the door, I just got chills. Like the hair on my arms and my neck stood up. Um, sorry, I'm going to drink some water to uh, dry my throat or wet my throat rather. So it, like I said, the hair on my arms and my neck just like stood up and I stood there still. And it was like, I, I felt like I had walked into, even though I had, I was in the room, I ran to the door to check it. When I turned around from the door that leads to outside, I felt like I was in a room with, like, several people. Like, just, there was, like, an energy that just felt like, 
I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it, but just that, that there were several people in the room. And, um, I don't know. It was just very strange, and I was just very on alert. And it was just kind of hitting me, and I'm, I'm like trying to like decipher, like, do I say anything? Do I run out of the room? Can I run out of the room? Can I move? Like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, do I speak? You know, do I believe in ghosts? Do I believe in entities? I don't know. Um, I don't know what the deal is here. And I kind of just, I, I finally just settled on saying, hey, I don't know the history of this house. We moved in because we kind of had to. We didn't have much of a choice. And this was the house that we looked at and we loved. And um, we wanted to make something of it and we could afford it. Um, I believe that my next words were... Like, I... I don't ever want, I don't want to disrespect the history of this house. And I would hope that you would respect us. Um, and I made sure to say that, you know, you are welcome to stay here as long as there's no malevolence and there's no violence or aggression towards our guests or our family. And there hasn't been, just to make that clear, we've had guests stay in this room countless times this is just the first time I've ever experienced anything like this now um, my sister-in-law who used to live in what is now the studio slash Batcave she has a couple of like very non-aggressive kind of weird things go on with items in her room moving around or like being put in different places in the room Um, again very innocent kind of just things moving around um, but nothing insane. And so, you know, that kind of passed through my mind. And I guess regardless, I made it a point to say, hey, we're all good here kind of thing. Um, just, you know, basically let's keep it calm and civil and we'll all just coexist. And, um, you know, if you are something that needs help or assistance, in your current state, uh, we are happy to try to help, but please know that humans scare very easily. So just try to, you know, ease it on us <laughs> because we frighten very easily. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not going word for word. This is just basically the idea I was trying to get across was that, hey, we're all good, but if we can help, let us know. Take it easy on us. We're good to go. Um, and it was weird is when I finally said, you know, kind of closing out my weird paragraph that I would have never thought I would have said anything like this to what appears to be an empty room, but just saying, so we're all good. And if you need anything, let us know. That was the last thing that I said. And when I said that, you know, the, the hairs on the back of my neck, all the chills and everything on my arms, it all just kind of went away. And 
I more so felt like at, like immediately it went from feeling like cold and and kind of scary to kind of being kind of warm uh, and comfortable, I guess. You know, I don't want to say like cozy necessarily, but like it just felt comfortable. It didn't feel weird. Um, I still have the same sense of being in a room with people, but I felt comfortable. And those kind of that kind of that fear that like made me go into like attack mode and into like confrontational mode, which I don't get into that ever. All of that went away, and I felt so comfortable walking out of that room, shutting off the light, and closing the door, and coming back into here, the studio, the Bat Cave. And I just sat in my chair and like I kind of listened, and I was like. I don't hear anything and I haven't heard anything since. So even during this recording, I haven't heard anything. Now I might go in and add some compression to like make things louder and see, but, but I'm, I haven't heard anything. So, uh, just some kind of a crazy experience with the house. Um, you know, our, like I said, my sister-in-law, she had some not super scary, but just things moving in the house being in different places like I mean things that you don't move around like pictures that are hanging on the wall um moving to different walls and like moving to different tables and like a desk over here or like an armoire or something um things that we could confirm seeing uh in one place and then she would come down pale face terrified like hey this is moved over here I don't which one of you guys are screwing with me I'm like we're not screwing with you and we weren't, my wife and I. So, you know, it, it, she seemed terrified enough for us to believe her that there was something, you know, kind of weird going on. I say terrified, but like, again, it was non-malevolent. It wasn't aggressive. It wasn't violent. It was just things moving around. Um, so, yeah, just a, a, an interesting kind of uh, interaction that I had tonight on this uh Christmas Eve now in the morning, very early. Now it's nearly almost 2 a.m. Christmas Eve 2018. So, um, wanted to share that, put that down. Don't know if I'll ever send this to anyone or show it to anybody, but I want to record this very strange experience, but also kind of like an enlightening experience and comforting at the same time because, uh, I think if there are, uh, remaining spirits in this house, I, don't feel they are uh, malevolent. I don't feel that they are violent. I don't feel that they are aggressive. I feel like they are just here because maybe this was their home and this is where they feel comfortable. And maybe we startled them. And, uh, you know, hopefully they know they're uh, welcome to stay here as long as, uh, you know, as long as they need to. So, 